Robert Nicoll is Minister of Fortingall, Kenmore and Glen Lyon Churches. Robert spoke at the funeral of Brian Morrison on October the 18th. Brian was session clerk of Pilochry Church of Scotland for many years. Robert based his talk on the hymn, The Day Thou Gavest Lord Has Ended. The hymn that we sang there is about a rhythm of life. Of course, it's essentially about the rhythm of the church of Jesus Christ throughout the world, how the worship of one land is passed on effectively to the worship of another land. And so through all the 24 hours of the day, there is worship going to God. And it's also about continuity of the church. And it's often sung at funeral services because it speaks about that community of worship that goes on not just around the world, but from one generation to another. So it's appropriate as we think of someone who gave so much of their life to the church and to their Lord Jesus that we sing that. The rhythm of life takes us through ages from the birth of a new baby, the start of new life with all its possibilities, And we think of the landmarks as a child grows, the first steps, the first words, the first day at school, then the achievements of learning and sport. And then come the teenage years, then adulthood, and another generation is born. And these are all things that we celebrate. But we know the same cycle of life takes us to old age. There are still good things that we can enjoy, of course, like the family extending more time to enjoy things. But all the time, we know that the body is wearing out. It is painful to watch a loved one going into physical and mental decline. The person we knew once as vigorous and busy, who was a tower of strength to us when we were in trouble, now beginning to fade away. And when death comes, it can be a release for the loved one, and sometimes a relief for those who loved him. The Bible talks about this rhythm of life that we go through, and we can't understand it all, and sometimes the reason why things happen the way they do, but we know there's a pattern of life and death that we all have to travel through. With our loved ones, we come to a point where we have to let go. We keep our memories, and these will always be precious to us, but there's more than that. God tells us there is something more for us. This life is not all there is. And he promised long ago that there will come a time when death is no more. These are words from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord God will destroy death forever. He will wipe away the tears from every face and throughout the world remove the indignities from his people. The Lord has spoken. On that day, the people will say, see, This is our God. We have waited for him and he will deliver us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and exult in his deliverance. And there's a promise from God to all those who look to him, as Brian did. More words from Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, the eternal God, creator of earth's farthest bounds, does not grow weary or grow faint. 
His understanding cannot be fathomed. He gives vigor to the weary, new strength to the exhausted. Young men may grow weary and faint. Even the fittest may stumble and fall. But those who look to the Lord will win new strength. They will soar as on eagles' wings. They will run and not feel faint. March on and not grow weary. Well, in this life, we do get weary. We get old. God's promise to us is that we will soar as on eagles' wings. And we can know that from around here, what that looks like. Where I live, it's more often the buzzards. But even so, they soar on the thermals, and it's a wonderful sight. Effortless and untroubled. And for the person who's gone, how much better to be able to shake off the worn-out body and rise on wings like eagles. But we ask, what is it that God promises us? Heaven is such a difficult thing for us to understand. We have glimpses in the Bible of what heaven will be like, but there are no more than glimpses. We know it's about being with God for eternity. God is so big that our minds can't grasp what that would mean. Jesus' own followers, the disciples, were puzzled by all this. He wondered what would happen. They wondered what would happen to them when he was no longer there physically with them and what would happen at the end of their lives. And he spoke words of comfort to them. He said, set your troubled hearts at rest. Trust in God always. Trust also in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. If it were not so, I should have told you. For I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I shall come again and take you to myself. So that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way I am taking. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Peace is my parting gift to you. My own peace, such as the world cannot give. Set your troubled hearts at rest. And banish your fears. Jesus asks us to trust him with this, that he's preparing a place. And we can tell that it won't be dull, it'll be full of variety, because he speaks of many rooms. We can see the variety and diversity that God has made in this world, so we can know that the life to come will certainly be no worse. We can take it that Brian trusted his Lord throughout his life. And we can be assured that God never deserted him and certainly has not abandoned him in death. We can take that as comfort for ourselves too. Of course, at times like this, we think of other loved ones who have gone before us. And we inevitably think about our own mortality. So we too can hear God's word to us through Jesus. I will never leave you. Or forsake you. Amen.
Brown is an author and member of Pitlochry Baptist Church. Elaine has produced a series of talks for us, and today her title is You're Kept, based on Psalm 121, and God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe. Also Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, then the peace of God, which is beyond our utmost understanding, will keep guard over your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Ever since my teenage years, Psalm 121 has been important to me. At boarding school, it was read to us on the last morning of term. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. So, in all the excitement of going home, those words came to have a happy association for me. It was also the psalm my husband and I chose for our wedding service a few years later. Such joyous, reassuring words as we set out into our new life together. God's promise, the Lord is your keeper steadied us many times over the years which followed, particularly when we lived in a remote area overseas. Now I am a senior citizen. My husband and one son have already gone ahead of me to be with the Lord, and I am finding those psalm words more valuable than ever before. Sometimes a challenge seems too big for me to handle now. But then I hear God's gentle reminder, you're kept, and my anxiety is eased. The Lord so faithfully keeps his children down the years, and he always will. A brief prayer. Lord, today I trust myself to you, Thank you that whatever happens, I am always safe in your keeping. Christ. 
Christ will hold me fast Precious in His holy sight He will hold me fast He'll not let my soul be lost His promises shall last Bought by Him at such a cost He will hold Myerscough has produced a series of talks for us based on John's Gospel. Today he examines the importance of the statement, The Word Became Flesh. The last couple of weeks we've looked at John's introduction to Jesus in his Gospel. Foundational statements about the eternal creating Word of God. They invite a response of faith from us. The next terse statement in verse 14, less than 10 words, 
is another quiet bombshell. The word became flesh and lived among us. That's God, the creator, fully identifying with his creation, clothed in the same body of flesh, a helpless half-metre baby. Mr Wesley's hymn sings it in old measurements. Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. It's a truly revolutionary statement. If true, it's the pivot of human history. It's worthy of that split into BC and AD. Habakkuk, one of the prophets to the declining Old Testament era, cried out in despair, Oh, Lord, revive your work in the middle of time. Little did he know how prophetic that prayer would prove. To become flesh means to be human, and therefore mortal, like all this creation. God was embracing earthly death with that choice, and our pain and sorrow. Isaiah had prophesied 600 years before that the coming Messiah would surely bear our pain, carry our sorrow. Hebrews chapter 2 amplifies that. It says, Because God's children share flesh and blood, Jesus also partook of that same nature, so that through death, he could destroy the one who held the power of death and deliver us who were in lifetime bondage to the fear of death. God isn't calling by as a visitor. He's permanently moving into our street. The Son of God is now eternally the Son of Man. Heaven has changed too. And why this total identification with us? because he wants to take us from here to where he is, with the Father. And why? Only love can explain that. The compassionate love of God is on view to us all here. Once you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he says to Thomas later. Touch me. Handle me. This is who we are. This is where we're coming from. Pure, selfless, compassionate love. The New Testament word for compassion is a moving of my inward person, something deep, visceral. God was moved by our state, our pain, our sorrow, though often self-inflicted. He's here to rescue us by becoming one of us. The book of Hebrews also picks up another side of the incarnation of Jesus, by quoting this prayer from Psalm 40. You didn't take pleasure in sacrifices and offerings, so you prepared a body for me, so I could do your will. Hebrews calls this the first prayer of Jesus on coming into the world as a man. It was his focus here, as it always had been, to please the Father. 
I don't know if you remember the two occasions God speaks audibly from heaven to Jesus, when he says, This is my well-loved son, and I'm so pleased with him. The first man whose life was always something beautiful for God. This is the reason you and I have a body, a human life, to become well-pleasing to God, our Father and Maker. We start a long way back, but we have an older brother who has made the way and now sits in heaven with the Father as the representative man. This needs to become my life focus, if it's true, especially if I'm on the last few laps. But don't fear, Jesus has made it possible for us all. We need to stay listening so he can make it happen.
Ian Rose is in charge of Soundwaves Radio in Sussex. Ian has produced a series of short thoughts, one of which he shares with us now. The other day, I came across a prayer which went something like this. Dear Lord, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, been nasty, greedy, grumpy, overbearing, selfish or obnoxious. I'm really glad that I've accomplished all these things on my own. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to have to get out of bed. And from that point on, I'll need all the help that I can get from you. <laughs> well, in my better moments, I too realise that without God's help, I'll mess it up. But it's good to know where I can go for help. just can't go on that's when i know that he is near to gently help me move along he walks beside me and he will guide me he listens to all i have to say he walks beside me and he will guide me jesus will show me Sweet. 